so uh, as you get situated, we will be in Exodus 23 and the kind of the last half of uh, the chapter, Exodus 23. This is uh, our continuing series on victory in the book of Exodus, victory in the book of Exodus. And uh, this week, we're specifically looking at victory in patience victory and patience and we'll see this manifest itself in a few few different ways but as as is our 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 plan within this uh within this study we'll look at the situation that the children of israel find themselves in the struggle that they find themselves dealing with uh often self-imposed but the struggle nonetheless and then ultimately the victory so our situation today We find in Exodus 23 and verse 20, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into a place which I have prepared. Right? So we're just going to focus on this first verse for just a moment. Don't worry, we will get through the rest of the chapter uh, today. But um, this, uh, you know, to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. And so this way... Uh, no, I'm not going to put up a Mandalorian uh, picture. I did think about it. I feel like Sam's tapped that one out. So, um, but um, this first is the way is taught. The way is taught. This is not necessarily something that we do in and of our own accord. The way is taught. Notice in Genesis, and I think you have just the verse references. Uh, uh, you know, I think I put uh, you know, but put them on the screen. But Genesis eighteen nineteen, uh, <clears throat> for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him that they shall keep the way of the Lord. Uh, so, so it's taught in, in this context. In this context, it's it's commanded to the children so that, and his household after him, not just his children, but the broader household, that they keep the way of the Lord. So we, our default setting is not to keep the way of the Lord or even to know the way of the Lord. It has to be taught. Even in the, I would argue, the greatest uh, psalm, the greatest chapter, as some, some would call it, in Scripture, in psalm, about, about the Word of God, Psalm 119, verse 33, that first verse of the stanza uh, of the Hebrew, he, uh, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Teach me. I need to understand. Because what will happen is a child left unto himself will not seek the way of the Lord. It's important whether that is a physical child or a spiritual child, they have to be taught. They have to be taught the right way. And it seems so natural for us to teach children, oh, we don't hit. Uh, we, don't, we don't act like that. You know, we don't do this. Like that's, okay, those are basic kind of, all right, parenting things. But we need to teach our children and our disciples, our spiritual children, the way of the Lord. Because it, it's, I mean, it's, it's imperative that we give them the tools and techniques available that we were taught. We didn't learn them. Anybody who has any level of spiritual maturity, someone invested in you. Now, quick sidebar, be careful what you teach your disciple. Be careful what you teach those you lead spiritually. I remember, I can remember four or five times in my early spiritual development, 
where the, the man that was discipling me or the people who had some measure of authority, spiritual authority over me, did something that was extremely disappointing to me. And I thought, that's not becoming of Christ, but it must be okay because of what they did. So be careful because, you know, little eyes are always watching you, parents, but also be careful spiritual leaders because little eyes are always watching you. I can remember the first time that someone over me who had been teaching me the word of God cussed like a sailor. And I was like, well, that's not right, is it? Like, we can do that? I, I thought we weren't supposed to do that, you know? And, and look, I'm not here to, to parse words and, and, and we're not going to, I'm not judging anybody who, who maybe doesn't have that same, you know, tongue discernment. I'm not, I'm really not. But my point is just be careful because the default nature is for a child or an immature believer to look to someone to learn the way. Okay. They won't do it on their own. Put Put in this room with no with no interaction, no whatever, they're not going to end up okay, right? I mean, they've done scientific experiments with all sorts of, like, that's not going to go well, right? We see that with kids that are horrifically locked in closets and those types of things or have horrible parental or, uh, or, or um, you know, even hostage situations. Like, that's not normal, okay? So... We have to put in that the way of the kid is not to learn it themselves. The way of the kid is to watch those up over them, in, in this case, in the Lord. It also allows proving, okay? It also allows proving. Notice in Judges 2 that, that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord or to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. So I, I'm reminded of... And, and, you know, I think I've shared this with you all, but John Mark in the book of Acts is traveling with, with um, uh, Barnabas and, and Paul, and he is, is partaking in the spiritual journey, in the missionary journey. He goes to the first island they go to. Anybody remember it? It's the first island, Cyprus, right? Isn't it Cyprus? You guys with me? I think I'm pretty, I, I, was, I was asking you because I was hoping you'd tell me, but I'm pretty sure it's Cyprus. Certainly an island in the Mediterranean where it looks like they have family. So, hey, sign me up for a mission trip to a Mediterranean island where I've got family. Like, I'm good. (laughs) Right? I'm good. Now, it's not until they come up into southern Europe and they face, um, uh, I think it's Pergamos. No, that's not right. Pamphylia, maybe. One of those P words in the Bible. I probably could have pulled it up. But there is the Taurus mountain range just beyond the coast. And John Mark leaves. And I, I personally believe he looked at those mountains and said, I like Cyprus ministry better than I like Tar- Taurus ministry. Like the way is going to get hard and the Lord will do that in your life. He will set obstacles along the path to see how serious you are. Like, there's a new t- t- uh, tool on, uh, I think it's on, on Maps or Google or one that's probably on all the little, the apps with the map. So you can see if you're going to walk from here to the plaza or the plaza, um, it's, <laughs> I, I, I speak all languages to all people. So. 
but not a Russian accent. Um, it'll tell you what elevations you're going to encounter up and down between here and there. Like, that's pretty cool, right? People want to know the, you know, if you go, if you're on vacation, you're going to take a hike and, and it, not like take a hike, but you go on a hike and you, it, it will tell you like it's a, it's a moderate walk or it's a steep incline or it's, you know, it takes, it's going to be hard, right? People want to know those things and I get it, but the, that is not how it works with the Lord. Like it's not going to be this steady, it's not Kansas. The walk with the Lord is not Kansas. It's more like, I don't know, Montana or Colorado or even Arizona where there's ups and downs and that's okay. And he does that in part because of what he says in Judges 2, that, that through this process, he wants to know if you're serious and he will not give you anything you cannot handle, but it's just like the old saying, they folded like a wetsuit or cheap, cheap suit, wetsuit, cheap suit, cheap wetsuit. I mean, because wetsuits fold, it's a cheap suit, evidently because the fiber count is not enough that they fold easier. I don't know. But you, will you fold like a cheap suit or will you be strong like a wetsuit? Okay, let's move on. All right. Keeping the way, it's contrasted to the evil way. In, also in Psalm 119, 101, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. So there are going to be forks in the road. There are going to be off-ramps on this way that are very enticing. Very, very enticing. And the, one of the biggest challenges as you grow in your spiritual journey is learning and trusting the Lord. Is that the direction you're taking me or is that a shiny object that's over here that Satan is dangling to get you off the way? Okay? That's a really hard thing sometimes. It's something I deal with. I, I don't know that I'll say day in, day out, but, but not every opportunity is a good opportunity. Right? It's, we've you've got to be very discerning. We've got to be very discerning that these, that these exit ramps... Now, look, I know what a strange woman exit ramp looks like, okay? And I can not take that exit and I can keep going on my way. But, but the biggest ball of twine, now I'm kind of interested. <laughs> the largest rocking chair in the world, I might want to take an exit and see that, right? But is that the journey the Lord has me on, Right? And we've got to be very, very careful that it's contrasted to an evil way. It's also not our way. We touched on this a little bit, but notice, and there's two references here, Proverbs 14, 12 and 16, 25. The Lord felt strong enough to repeat the exact same words twice in scripture. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So left to, them, left to yourself, not having the input of the Holy Spirit, not having the input of the word of God, your ways will lead to death. That death might look like a lot of cheeseburgers over time that ends up in a heart attack. That way might look like meth on the, in the gutter on the side of the road dying. Like, or it may end up with, you know, dealing with a, a bunch of women and ending up with a disease and dying. Like, whatever it is, 
the, a man's natural tendency is to end up in death. The only life that we can have is from the Lord. It's also exemplified, oops. It's exemplified in others. It's exemplified in others. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. So we should follow the steps of good men. The minute you know that I am, and and I want to be careful because I don't want to like pat myself on the back and call myself a good man. But if you have evidence to believe I am not a good man, then stop following me. At least don't follow me there. Right? Like, don't, don't follow me there. If there is evidence that Sam is not leading us correctly, well, we shouldn't follow him. And we're actually talking about that, not that he, we have a problem, but he wants to make sure the body has a good way to hold his pastor, their pastor, him, accountable. That's a safety net for him. That's not a problem. That's actually a safety net. It's really, really important that it's exemplified and we can follow it because of other good men. And it requires patience. It ultimately requires patience. Wait on the Lord. Keep his way. And he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. You may want to put a little asterisk by this reference. But wait on the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt thee, but it's going to require you waiting on the Lord. It's going to require not pushing. It's going to require when there's a shiny, when there's a ball of twine saying, Lord, do you want me to go see the ball of twine? Do you want me to take this exit and get off the journey I'm on and do this thing? Or is this just a distraction from Satan? And then ultimately... If, we, if, you, if you look back at the verse, behold, I sent an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. I mean, a place prepared is at the end of the way. I don't know if that, I mean, that's like, that's not even hard. Like that's not, that's not deep Bible study there. The way is gonna lead you somewhere. There is an end to that way and it's a place prepared. I mean, we can't ignore John 14, one through three. Right? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Whither I and whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. There is a pathway to get to that prepared place. There's an end to the Candyland game, right? There's an end to the Chutes and Ladders game. There's not an end to Monopoly, which is very frustrating to me. It's the utter destruction of everyone else that plays, right? That's, an, that's not a tangible goal to me. Like Scrabble's a little hard because like there's not like there's not an end, okay? There's, I mean there is an end, but you know what I'm saying. So there is a distinct and clear path that has an end. All right. So victory principle number one. Victory principle number one. The destination is worth the journey. 
It's worth the journey. It's worth the, hey, Lord, should I go here? Should I take this exit? Oh, I know I can't take that exit. Ooh, that's off the table. That's not on the menu, but we are going this way. And do you, are you really leading me this way? Oh, look at this tree that just fell down. I've got to get over this tree. And I've come to this dark area in the woods. And I'm not sure, like cue the Disney scene, right? Where the trees all of a sudden look like they're growing down. It's like, ooh, it's scary. But Lord, are you really leading me through? And if you are, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, right? The destination is definitely worth the victory or the journey. All right, so the struggle, a lot of words. Have them on your page. Beware of him and obey his voice, him being the angel. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto the, thine adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee, bring thee unto the Amorites in unto the Amorites, the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. Quite break down their images. Now, what I did is I highlighted here some conditions, right? Some conditions. We need to beware of him, obey his voice, provoke, provoke him not, Indeed, obey and do all that the Lord speaks. There's action words or requirements. So if you want a a quick Bible study technique, if you see a passage like this, that there's a lot of expectation, maybe pull out the, the themes, right? In this case, it's the requirements, the expectation of the children of Israel to beware, to obey, to provoke them not, and to do. You're well on your way to preaching. You're well on your way to a nice little outline by doing that. That's a, that, is the, that is the secret sauce of most pastors and most preachers, is just to look for the themes in the passage. But today we're not actually going to do that because, well, I'm not about the secret sauce. We're going to come a different direction. This word beware is really interesting because we're supposed to beware of this angel. Now, I think it's beware, not like beware of falling rocks, <clears throat> because those rocks could ch- those rocks could could hurt you. It's more like beware. There's one lane bridge ahead. There's still a bridge. You've got a, a clear a clear path, but you just got to keep. You got to pay attention, right? You got to keep. You got to take heed. You got to you got to focus a little bit. Following the angel will, in fact, provide the protection. Not following him is dangerous. Beware. Beware of this angel. <clears throat> Pay attention. It isn't that necessarily that the angel is dangerous. It's that follow, not following the, da- uh, the angel is going to put you at the biggest, at the biggest risk. Matthew 17.5, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. It's the same kind of concept. Hear ye him, follow him, give attention to, take heed, beware of him. Not like, ooh, Halloween scary, beware, just pay attention. 
Now, there's a, there's a key thing, and maybe you picked up on it, maybe you didn't in this passage, but if you look back at verse 20, behold, I send an angel, jump down into verse 23, for mine angel shall go before thee. Did anybody notice the, the, the difference in the wording there? The word angel is capitalized. The word angel is capitalized. We actually see this occur also in Exodus 32, 34. Therefore now, uh, now go, lead the people unto the place which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angel, capital A, shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit them, I'm sorry, when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. In Genesis 48, 16, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and let the name uh, be named on them and the name of my fathers and Abraham, Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. These capital A occurrences is not a typo by the translators. This is a very specific point. This is similar to the spirit, and I've only pulled up uh, three verses here. There's actually several more where we see the spirit very involved in creation, right? We see, um, and I meant to copy these. Somebody grab Luke 4.18 and somebody grab John 16.13 for me. But anytime you see the capitalization, there's a very specific, there's a lot of times the word angel appears in scripture and only a handful of times it's capitalized. There's a lot of times the word spirit appears in scripture and it's only a handful of times that it's capitalized more than angel, but it's still a limited, relatively small number. Who has Luke chapter four, verse 18? Yeah. So Jesus is actually speaking and referencing the spirit, not just a spirit, not just uh, the concept of having spirit, it's the Holy Spirit. Who has John sixteen thirteen? Yeah, go ahead. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show thee things to come. So very specific, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, when he come. Like this is not a concept, this is a personage. Um, this is the spirit arriving. So these concepts, capital A, capital S to a lesser degree, but certainly this A is called a theophany, a theophany. I had to look up the word because I couldn't remember it. It's a, it's a $5 spiritual word. It's an event where the manifestation of deity occurs in, a, in an observable way or a temporal and spatial manifestation in God, of God in some sort of tangible form, okay? So it's, that is the definition of a theophany is it's an appearance of God, okay? An appearance of God. But what does that look like practically for us today? Like if you see Jesus, chances are you didn't see Jesus. Just saying, okay? <clears throat> Just saying. Like the word of God is now complete, you have what you need to function. The theophanies most notably happen in the Old Testament because the word of God was not complete. 
The Spirit of God would come on man. It's just, it was a different paradigm than we have today. But it looks a little different. What's it practically look like? In, in uh, Joshua 5, 13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man <coughs> over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Does anybody remember what the response, what the next word in Joshua 5, 14 is? Nay. Neither. I'm not for you and I'm not for them. I'm God. The implications, the very clear implications are, are you for me? Okay. God doesn't, doesn't act on our whim. We are to obey the Lord, right? So what does it look like practically? God doesn't show up and tell you to do, to do weird things. That isn't how he works. He finished his word. It, was, it is now complete. You have the mind of Christ in written form. Also in Joshua 10, 42, and all these kings in their land did Joshua take at one time because the Lord of uh, God of Israel fought for Israel. Now, I think that's really cool. That's the promise, actually, that is given here in Exodus that we see it fulfilled in Joshua 10 or really in the book of Joshua. But we see this, that the land did Joshua take at one time. Wait a second, Joshua took it, but I thought it was the Lord God that fought for Israel. Well, yeah, both of those things are true. Joshua um, possessed that which the Lord opened up. The Lord did the work. The Lord did the heavy lifting. If you have to try too hard to make something work, the Lord might not be in it. Now, I'm not saying the Lord doesn't want hard work, but if you have to kick against the pricks, as the Bible uses that description, like the Holy Spirit saying, stop, 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 and you have to keep just pushing to get something accomplished, you probably have accomplished that. Not the Holy Spirit, not the Lord. The Lord does the work, and then we can just follow in behind him. In Judges uh, Judges 1, verses 1 and 2, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first? Because Joshua is not there to lead them, to fight against them. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. So seeking the Lord, when he's not there, the Lord will provide you an answer. Again, when when you don't perceive that he's there, the Lord will provide you an answer under the direction of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. In Romans 8.31, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Like we can live in that victory. We can live in that presence of the Lord. Okay, that's the practicalness of a theophany today is we have a theophany in the printed words of scripture. Okay, all right. So victory principle number two, trust in the one who will do the fighting for you. Trust in the one who will do the fighting for you. If you're, I can't tell you how many times this has happened. My wife can testify I have a call at one o'clock in the afternoon that I'm not looking forward to. I've got to be a jerk on the call. I've got to, not really, but I've got to, like, I've got to convince people that they're wrong, if you know what I mean. 
So, or I've got to deliver bad news, or the person I'm talking to is a jerk, and they just can't get where I am for some reason. Like, I'm not looking forward to the call at one o'clock. It's not good. And what do I do? I pray about it. I know that sounds like a little weird, but I do go ahead and pray about it. And it is amazing how many times the Lord comes through. You know, it is just amazing where they have a different attitude. We get to solve the problem. I don't have to really push through the, through the, through the wall the way I thought I was going to have to. The Lord had already softened their hearts for some reason. I, I had a call. I, I, time flies. The last couple of weeks have been kind of crazy. I want to say it was in the last couple of weeks. I literally was dreading this call. I get on the call, and I kid you not, the person that I was, it was like with three or four other folks, and they're like, actually, I should have I canceled this call. We got it all figured out. Here's what we're doing. I was like, bam. <laughs> That's my God, right? So, I mean, it happens. The Lord will show up like that. So trust in the one who does the fighting for you. So this brings us to, our, to the victory section, the last section. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take, thy sickness, or take sickness away from the, in, from the midst of thee. There shall not, uh, nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before thee. I will destroy all the people to whom thou, sh- uh, thou shalt come. I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. I will send hornets before thee. That's a pretty good way that God shows up. He sends, Lord, I pray hornets on my enemies, Um, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and and, uh, the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of thy field multiply against thee. But uh, by little and little will I drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. And I will set thy bounds from the Red Sea, even under the sea of the Philistines and from the desert under the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land in your hand, into your hand and thou shalt drive them out before thee. See, that, see the partnership, I will deliver them and, I, and, dry, and, and thou shall drive them out. But other places, God said he would drive them out. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their, their gods, I will surely be a snare unto thee. So the key point here, and this is what I was so excited about. I'm sorry, we're already at 1019 before I got to the most excited point that I was referring to a couple weeks ago. Little by little. Little by little. Isaiah 28, 9, 10. Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Then are them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Why are you in such a hurry to learn everything? You don't need to be. You need to get precept upon precept, precept upon precept. I even think he wrote it that way because I'm kind of annoyed that he kind of repeated himself. <laughs> like I got it the first time, God. Actually, I don't think you did, Mitch. I don't think you did. Let me say it again. Here a little, there a little. Line upon, I messed up. Line upon line, line upon line. You know what this echoes to? The building of a masonry wall. And I don't know if you've realized, but 
if you've ever watched Mason's work, and I mean like brick Masons or people that are like really good at their work, like they don't just like, I mean, they do kind of, they can be kind of quick at it, but they don't just like grab a bunch of, of bricks and throw them against the wall and, oh, look, they're all lined up in a perfect row and the spacing is right. Like they have a, uh, Shane, what's the term? They, storyboard? Is that the term? They have a, there's a, there's a thing where they, they calculate the height of each row and it's like a, I think it's called a storyboard, uh, but they use it to make sure at like all the doors and all the windows to make sure that all the way across the bricks are very straight. If you've looked at a well done brick house or building, you can actually stand along it and look down the row and it's pretty straight because they use lines. There's, there's a lot of diligence, right? That's put into brick masonry. Because you've seen brick brick places that don't that don't that are not like that, or you've seen them crumble. <laughs> but it's a very patient driven um, uh, profession. You have to be very specific. It has to be very precept upon precept, line upon line. You can't put the top row until you have fifteen rows below it or whatever. Don't get in such a hurry to learn everything. Learn what God teaches you and apply it. Who shall he teach knowledge? Who shall he make to understand? Notice, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. That's a little kid. That's a little kid. Now, you've probably heard it taught people that are growing and they need more than milk. That's true. But they're still little. They're still young. They grow a little at a time. Growth requires patience. Growth requires patience. In our time left, what I want you to do is I want, I want to do this. Let's do this table, Romans 5, 3 to 5. Teresa, you and Tisha have 1 Timothy 6. You guys have Hebrews 6. Um, if you guys want to take Hebrews 10, um, Hebrews 12, uh, if you guys want to do James, uh, let's do all of you guys in the back row. James 1 uh, through 3, and then maybe you four do Second Peter, and then the back three guys do Revelation 2. So hopefully I did that okay. But you're going to find your verse, and I want you to discuss, just for, it needs to be brief, discuss a related concept or aspect of patience that is important to that it, within that verse, okay? There's an aspect of patience that we'll see in those verses, okay? Each of those verses, I believe, has, or somewhere in their verse, has the word patience, okay? Find the related concepts so we can build this whole collective. Okay, go, but do it quick. <laughs> do it quick! <laughs> Yeah, don't don't overthink it for sure. It's meant to be pretty straightforward. A new doctrine? Okay. I'll hear that out.
Just, just a few more seconds. It's not meant to be a big, deep study. What do you see about patience in your, verse, your assigned verses? Okay, 45 more seconds. Okay, 15 more seconds. All right, so I'm going to read the verse, and then I just want to hear real quick what you what y'all talked about. Romans 5, 3 to 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Tribulation, it's super, like, that's, that is kind of what I meant. Like, it's tied, patience is tied to tribulation. It's the same context, or uh, concept, rather, that we saw regarding the way. You're going to have some times where it's hard. Tribulation worketh patience, but also, and maybe you didn't talk about it, patience worketh, what's, well, ultimately, but what's the next thing? It's experience, right? So somebody told me one time, it, um, Ah, man, I messed this up. Experience is what you get when you didn't get what you wanted to get. Okay? Experience is what you get when you didn't get what you wanted to get. And I thought that was a really good illustration. Now, technically, you might even gain some experience when you end up in the place you wanted to be. But challenges teach you. So patience is in the middle of tribulation and experience. Okay, the next one is 1 Timothy 6, 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. You got to follow patience. It's a journey. You can't just do it. You, you can't just, you don't, patience doesn't fall into your lap. You follow patience. Hebrews 6, 12. Uh, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through patience or faith and patience inherit the promises. Don't be lazy, be intentional. Patience has a component of diligence to it. You can't be slothful. Uh, Hebrews 10, uh, 36, for ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Uh, promise is delivered in due time if the path is followed. Yes, you, there, promise is at the end of that. Is at the end of that journey of patience. The promise, you, you will get it. You will get it after you've done the will of God. Hebrews 12, <coughs> 1. Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Right, so you're going to run 
you know the path you've got. We, we've seen that laid out today to some degree. You've got, but it's going to require effort. You're going to have to run, right? Run the race with patience. I think I heard somebody talk, mention the word marathon. Like the Christian journey is not a sprint. The Christian journey is running with patience. Running with patience is distance running, not sprint running. Okay. Uh, the back group, uh, James 1, 3 to 4, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Okay, patience matures. That's that's a really good way of saying it. Let your faith, like, it have her perfect work. It's you're gonna, you know, an old man and an old woman sitting on the front uh, on the rocking chair on the front porch. They're extremely patient. <laughs> extremely patient. I'm like, <coughs> what part of that was? Funny? Imagining it. Imagining it. Okay, you know, like if something bad happens, that a parent might be like, ah, about. They're like, ah, it'll be all right. Because they've got experience. And it's based in hope. Like, it's not based in reactionary, right? Second um, Peter 1, 5 to 8, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and they abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a process, which is similar to some of the other topics we've talked about, but it leads to bearing fruit. You will see an outcome from patience. Revelation 2, 2 to 3. I know thy works, thy labor, and thy patience. And how that's can, thou cannot, uh, canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And hast found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience. Twice. Has, has patience. And for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. So I, in the first part of it, um, I see self-righteousness in, in, uh, in looking at people and, and uh, not being able to bear not being able to, uh, uh, looking at somebody with a, a wrong vision. And then it says in the last part, it says we have born, we've taken that upon, and for the Lord's sake, uh, we have labored and fainted not. Right, so when I think of labor and fainting not, like patience is like right there with it. Like I've got to have patience in my labor. It will be a process that will lead to victory. It is like a marathon. It is uh, it requires diligence and requires all that effort. It creates uh, experience and hope, right? All these things are really important in the process of little by little. God did not say, I'm going to wipe them out with a nuclear blast and you all just go in and pick up the pieces. He actually said, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because you're not mature enough yet to... To, and, and, uh, to possess the land. You still have some growing to do, children of Israel. You're, you've just a little bit ago, you were slaves. You don't even have, you don't handle yourselves correctly. You can't possess all of this land. Be patient. Now, the 40 years was kind of like a, a longer sidebar than they needed, but they could have gone in just one step at a time, little 
by little and possess the land. That was the promise that was laid before him. The victorious life must include patience. It's a proving process. It allows the Lord to show up again and again and bring that diligence and bring that experience. So it's kind of interesting. I'll, I'll close with this, Revelation four twelve. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. That is the patience of the, fa- of the saints. Keep them. Keep the commandments and the faith of Jesus. I can't tell you how many people I ministered with that I thought would never turn their back on the Lord when I was a young man. I was in my 20s and had all this zeal for the Lord. They're gone. And it's unfortunate. They didn't have patience. It was, I was (laughs) years old before I became a pastor. Like, I'm okay with that. I was just being patient. I didn't need to jump out and have just take the world by the, by the horns. Just let the Lord lay out the path before you, that way before you, okay? But you got to keep progress. You got to keep moving forward, but be patient. He works, his, he works his, his, I won't say his magic, but he works his will that way, all right? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us.